I'm Samantha Sherris, and this is the Daily Signal Top News for Friday, July 7th. Here are today's headlines. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is in China for a four-day visit where she has so far met with the Chinese premier, U.S. businesses operating in China, and the ambassador from the People's Republic of China. During her discussion with U.S. businesses operating in China, Yellen expressed her concern about new export controls recently announced by China on two critical minerals used in technologies like semiconductors. Yellen also said, Our economic relationship with China must work for American workers and businesses. I will always champion your interests and work to make sure there is a level playing field. This includes coordinating with our allies to respond to China's unfair economic practices. Let's take a listen to some more of what Yellen said via Bloomberg Television's YouTube. During meetings with my counterparts, I'm communicating the concerns that I've heard from the U.S. business community, including China's use of non-market tools like expanded subsidies for its state-owned enterprises and domestic firms, as well as barriers to market access for foreign firms. I've been particularly troubled by punitive actions that have been taken against U.S. firms in recent months. Yellen also pointed out in her remarks that trade between the U.S. and China was at an all-time high last year and said, and if it is fair, trade and investment can support American jobs at home and promote American innovation. The Biden administration is gearing up to send cluster munitions to Ukraine. The Associated Press reports that the administration will send thousands of them to the war-torn country as part of a new military aid package worth $800 million. Joining us once again to discuss is Victoria Coates, a senior research fellow in international affairs and national security here at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria, thanks for joining us. Of course, Samantha. So first and foremost, what exactly are cluster munitions and what is the reasoning for the administration to send them to Ukraine? Well, they're, they're, they're just very large uh, groups of bombs that you drop together, for want of a better phrase. And so you get a much larger impact and a, and a larger explosion. So they're, they're very powerful. And a number of folks have been arguing that Putin has been using these bombs in Ukraine indiscriminately now for well over a year. And the Ukrainians have been asking for them so they can retaliate in kind. But both the Obama and Biden administrations had real restrictions on their use on humanitarian grounds. So they had they had not to date been sent. But it, as of yesterday, uh, apparently the president has made the decision that now is the moment to send them. And what could this mean for the war in Ukraine? Well, this is something we I mean, if, if we were going to get you know, into this war on the side of the Ukrainians, it's probably something we should have sent a year ago. And it's, it's a type of munition we have a lot of. So it wouldn't be the same kind of strain on our supplies that some of the other things that we're sending, uh, javelins and so on are, and they could be a very effective tool for the Ukrainians to push back against the Russians. And so one wonders why yesterday was the day to decide to send them, not a year ago, 
and to what effect, what the strategy is for them. Mm -hmm. And just speaking of the Russians, what has their reaction been to the news of this move by the administration? Yeah, they have a pretty set playbook at this point. Every time we decide to send them a different uh, weapon system, it's, it's the end of the world. We are the escalatory aggressors. They're going to use nuclear weapons. And then we just sort of proceed in this, in this grinding conflict. So I think if we do send them, it probably will take them some time to get there, uh, which again begs the question why they weren't sent sooner, if they're going to be an effective tool. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to see what, what the Russians do. But, but given the fact that Russia is in some sense in political disarray, you know, it, it's, it's probably a good moment to be, to be pushing them. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back on. I'm sure this will only continue to develop this story. So thank you so much and look forward to having you on again soon. Of course, Samantha. The Daily Caller's Henry Rogers reports that House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, along with Republican Representatives Dan Bishop of North Carolina and Thomas Massey of Kentucky, have sent letters to the heads of BlackRock, Vanguard, Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, and State Street. Rogers reports that in all of the letters, the lawmakers say the companies appear to have potentially violated U.S. antitrust law by coordinating and entering into collusive agreements to decarbonize assets under management and reduce emissions to net zero. The letter to Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero reads, We write because the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero and the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative are potentially violating U.S. antitrust law by coordinating their members' agreements to decarbonize their assets under management and reduce emissions to net zero with potentially harmful effects on Americans' freedom and economic well-being. Vanguard told The Daily Caller, As an asset manager owned by the investors in our funds, our unique independent approach is focused on helping everyday retail investors achieve their long-term financial goals. We look forward to reviewing and responding to the committee's requests. We'll include a link to Henry's full story in today's show notes. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is considering housing illegal aliens in public schools over the summer. While Adams' office says housing migrants in schools is not ideal, they are in no position to take anything off the table. The mayor's office says the city currently has more than 51,800 asylum seekers in its care and have reached capacity. New York City is a sanctuary city, meaning the city will not deport migrants because they are in the country illegally. This has led to the influx of migrants flooding into the Big Apple after crossing the border illegally. Critics of Biden's open border policies say Adams should not use the city's resources to cover for the Biden administration's negligence at the border. New York Republican Congresswoman Claudia Tenney told The Daily Signal that our schools and educational resources should be dedicated to our children, not diverted to support unvetted migrants who are entering our country illegally. Adams' office is reportedly considering housing migrants in 20 to 30 schools around New York City. The New York Post says three of the schools on the list are New Dorp High School, Mark Twain Middle School for the Gifted and Talented, and Russell Sage Middle School. Nasrat Ahmed Yar was an interpreter for U.S. troops in Afghanistan. He and his family fled Afghanistan after the fall of Kabul to the Taliban in 2021. 
Tragically, Ahmad Yar was shot and killed in D.C. on Monday while working as a Lyft driver. Surveillance video shows four people fleeing the scene of the crime in northeast D.C. They appear to be young people. Police responded to the gunfire and found Ahmed Yar shot in his car. He was taken to the hospital but died from his injury. Ahmed Yar was 31 years old and the sole provider for his wife and four children. WUSA 9 reports that his wife had told him to come home that night, but he said he needed to keep working as rent was due soon and he needed the money. No known arrests have been made. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Butler worked with Ahmed Yar in Afghanistan and told WUSA 9 that he was devastated to learn of his death. Butler said Ahmed Yar served this country a great deal more than I did. I did 42 months in combat, but that was nowhere near what he had. And that retired lieutenant colonel added that he does not have words to describe how you feel about someone who had given so much to his country, not as a citizen, but then comes here and experiences some of the worst behavior our country has to offer. The irony is really thick here. There is currently a GoFundMe underway to support Ahmed Yar's wife and children. So far, the campaign has raised more than $75,000. The House Committee on Oversight and Accountability is launching an investigation into the cocaine found at the White House. Kentucky Republican Rep. James Comer is chair of the committee and announced the investigation today. According to Comer, there are a number of security concerns regarding how the cocaine found its way into the White House. Comer sent a letter to Secret Service Director Kimberly Cheadle today saying this alarming development requires the committee to assess White House security practices and determine whose failures led to an evacuation of the building and finding of the illegal substance. Comer added the presence of illegal drugs in the White House is unacceptable and a shameful moment in the White House's history. Officials have previously said it will be hard to identify the culprit who brought the cocaine into the White House since it was discovered in a highly trafficked area. The cocaine was found Sunday in the White House's west executive entrance. The White House was evacuated briefly while the white powder substance was investigated. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton says that if the White House complex is not secure, Congress needs to know the details. Stay tuned. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to The Daily Signal's top news. If you haven't gotten a chance, be sure to check out our morning show right here in this podcast feed where we interview lawmakers, experts, and the leading conservative voices. Join us on Monday morning for The Daily Signal interview edition. Tyler O'Neill will be sitting down with the Solicitor General of Louisiana to discuss the media's reaction to the case Missouri versus Biden. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great night, and we'll be back with you all on Monday morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.